everyone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review and share it with your friends so they can listen too. Okay, good morning and welcome to the next episode of the Paisley Barbell podcast. Um, yes, we actually did what we said we weren't planned to do, which was to make an episode and wait about three months to the next one. But, you know, we're back on the horse um, and we've got a fantastic guest for you guys today. Yeah, I'm just going to give you a brief overview of his CV, try and embarrass him a little bit. But he's a coach and a business owner of Elysium Edinburgh, Edocs CrossFit and Elysium Coaching Academy. As a lifter himself, he was a Scottish champion in the VDFPA a couple of times. Won't tell you who he beat. Um, and he also <laughs> was successful in Scottish powerlifting. He was second at the Nationals in BDFPA, the 2019 British Equip Champion in British powerlifting. And in 2019, he competed in the IPF European Equip Championships, where he hit a Scottish record uh, 725 kilo total. He also was partial to an STV TV appearance, but as an individual, he's one of the most passionate and driven people I know. He's also a good friend of Paisley Barbell, so please welcome Dean Robertson. Thanks very much. Nice to be on the podcast. That took a while. That took a while. <laughs> took me a while to find all that. Um, yeah, so quite an introduction there, Dean. But uh, what we'd like to start off with is just you as an individual. Um, obviously, sports played a big part part in your life. Not always, you know, lifting, um, and you've obviously taken it forward into into the business sense. So could you maybe give us a, I'll say a brief, but it might take a while overview of how you've got from where you started to where you are? Yeah, I think, like, I've, I've spoken about this a, a number of times um, on, like, different podcasts and to, to different individuals. Um, and to be fair, I think that it's definitely a topic that could go for a long time. Um, so I'll try and, I'll try and summarise it. Um, when I was younger, um, I was massively passionate in, in sports and uh, the, the sport that seemed to take most of my time was football. Um, so I was always known as the, the lad with the football, um, even if not somebody never knew my name, they knew kind of what I looked like and I was always bouncing a ball about. Um, and uh, yeah, football was pretty much my life and I've always seemed to be this, uh, this type of individual who would just dedicate myself to anything I put my mind to. Um, and it was always ingrained in my brain that no matter what you chose to do, as long as you dedicated yourself to that like craft, you would be successful. So um, football was my kind of... Um, my main passion and uh, ever since a young age I, I played football and then my number one goal was to be a professional football player um, and then as I progressed I got like uh, better at football obviously and um, I got offered uh, like a trial period at Livingston Football Club which I was uh, chuffed about not because Livingston are a fantastic team but uh, because I was ever so closer to the dream. I believe they're below St. at the moment. <laughs> Um, well, see, that's the thing. I'm not even entirely sure what is going on in football nowadays because my passion was playing football. Um, it's never been watching football. Um, it's completely disinterested to me. Um, and the when I played for Livingston, it was it was amazing. Like I, I really enjoyed that kind of professional aspect where um, you could just dedicate yourself to it and you got rewarded for being um, like committed. Um, so. Uh, effectively played through um, we we done like a, a season and then towards the end of the season we were offered like kind of like an extension for like the pro contract um, and I was invited to stay um, and that was obviously my dream of being a professional football player um, and it all came crashing down when the realisation that I couldn't get to training uh, three times a week and the game at the weekend because my mum never had a car um, and uh, it all kind of started to sink in and um, I'll not start the pure pity story but like I grew up like not having uh, like, very much at all 
um, like single parent family, um, like three siblings. And uh, my mum, like obviously, like been fantastic, and she obviously pulled us through it all. Um, but we never had money to get a car, so I basically had to refuse the contract. Um, so yeah, I started playing uh, football like back in Edinburgh again, and it then occurred to me that if I was bigger, stronger, faster, I might be able to get scouted for an Edinburgh team. Um, and then bypass the problem with not having a car where I could just run to training. <laughs> so I recycled to training and I thought that was going to be an easy way. Um, so yeah, I started going to the gym um, and doing everything wrong. Um, and yeah, as everybody does, obviously just sitting pumping some arms and uh, some bench. Um, and uh, yeah, just basically running myself ragged on a treadmill, hoping to be uh, like Mo Farah one day and like being able to have the aerobic capacity to be a fantastic football player. But it started to change, and, and like throughout uh, high school, it got to the end obviously, and I had to start making career choices. Um, and it was a very, I don't know, it was a very odd time in my life where um, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I'm not a spiritual person um, at all, but like I don't know, I just think everyone's got a certain path in life. So I decided to apply for uh, the Marines. Um, I really liked that dedicated lifestyle um, where basically you were the best um, and that, that attitude that you were the best in the world, that you had to train to be the best in the world, was very appealing. So um, I applied and before uh, I managed to get the down to the, the kind of the first intake, um, we were hit with the, the really um, sad news that my, my sister, who was a year older than me, um, who is like my, my twin um, and still is, um, she got cancer. So that was a massive blow uh, to me and the family, obviously. But just a realization that I was potentially going to lose my sister because she, she got a really like rare form of cancer that usually mid-aged males get. Um, and there's only about four people in Europe uh, that get it um, a year. So that was obviously devastating and we thought we weren't going to have her anymore. And, and I got so frustrated that a young uh, female who never had any, basically, time in her life to build up any environmental toxins, like even, even stress at that age is, is, is very low. We had a pretty stressful life um, like growing up, but as far as like, kind of over, uh, stress over your life is concerned, someone at the age of um, 16, They've not had that opportunity to build that much stress up in their life. So I got very frustrated with the fact that she got so unwell. Um, and then my brain, uh, being the way it is, it started to really interest me why she got sick. So when I, uh, obviously the Marines kind of came back around and I thought to myself, like, I cannot leave my family right now. Um, because if I left, like, you know what the military is like, it's you, you very little chance of getting home if you're on like training for so long, etc. So I decided to just put it by the wayside and, and be with my family. Um, and then I had to make this decision. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Um, so I kind of I knew that I didn't want to do medicine or anything like that, but I knew that I really want to help people uh, live like a fitter, healthier, longer life. And my then decision was that I wanted to be not a personal trainer, but I wanted to just introduce what I had gained from fitness, health and performance uh, into other people's uh, life. And then um, I had a, a very good teacher at the time um, when I was leaving school and, and he kind of guided me and he says, why do you not become a personal trainer? 
And to be honest with you, I, I honestly couldn't think of anything worse um, at the time because I wanted to be in the Marines. I wanted to be like shooting guns and like getting really fit and like just traveling the world. But um, when I started to put the pieces of the puzzle together and the fact that I could stay home um, and then be with my family and improve my education, which is a big part of my life, um, I decided to, to then go to like, college and university. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's been a long road like from then to now, but I decided that I wanted to go to university because I was the only one in my, my family for as long as I can remember, like generations-wise, to ever go to university. Um, and then where I grew up, it wasn't ideal, uh, to say the least, um, but the, it was just not encouraged that you went to university. Like the school, you were lucky if you got your standard grades. Like we got like paid an education maintenance allowance just to make sure that we went. <laughs> um, still there, so, still there. Yeah. They still do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that kind of thing, like, it, it interested me because when somebody says I cannot do something, it really makes me do it <laughs> to a much higher standard. So the whole, or like, people for like my area, I don't go to university. Um, I decided to push through, um, and I managed to go all the way, and I got a master's degree uh, from Edinburgh University in strength and conditioning. Um, and then all through that time, my passion for um, the fitness, health and uh, performance industry just grew um, year after year. Um, and I knew at the age of about 16 exactly what I wanted to achieve um, throughout my life. And that's probably quite rare. Like People usually just find their feet as they go. But something just clicked inside me and I knew exactly what I wanted to do growing up. Um, and then there was going to be a certain timeline in order to achieve that. So I just committed myself to it at that time, um, and to the present day, I'm, I'm still kind of committed to that that timeline. Um, and to be fair, I'm I'm doing it to, to the absolute T every single year. So, um, yeah, that's the the summarised version of my my kind of story into the fitness industry. Um, and I'm now in a position where, obviously, the the gym is is open. We've been open for three years in January, and it has been an absolute whirlwind. And um, I wouldn't change a thing. Part of the coronavirus 2020. Um, but to be honest with you, there has been positive spins on that as well, which I know that we'll cover. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a fantastic journey so far. And I feel that I'm only 30 years old now. Um, and I honestly feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I've just found my groove and I'm just getting to the point where I can actually achieve what I really want to achieve. And um, I actually sit and get goosebumps thinking about what I'm saying because I know that 2021 is like about for me about to pull the trigger on the next stage of what I want to achieve. So um, no, it's a very it's a very good position to be in. I must be, uh, I must admit, I'm very grateful for it. Well, I mean, that's I mean, I was trying to work out how long we'd actually known each other. Um, it's it's about four years, four years now, I think. Um, and that to me, that's always. We've had a lot of conversations over that time, not not necessarily about powerlifting. Um, and you know, when I went, when I wanted to start Paisley Barbell, one of the kind of things that, or one of the people that I did come and talk to was you, because you've always struck me as somebody. Uh, you know, I don't want to embarrass you, but you are very focused, you're very driven, and when you set yourself a, a target, you know, you, you're prepared to just to go and get it, and it doesn't really matter what's in the way. You're not going to you're not going to be stopped. You might you might have obstacles, but you're going to find a way around it. Um, and you know, certainly the facility you've managed to to get yourself at Elysium and, and continue to evolve is, is testament to that. Um, Ian, you want to maybe come on to the next bit? Yeah, yeah. So Dean, obviously lockdown, it's been a it's been an interesting thing, hasn't it? It's been obviously I, I've watched um, Elysium and yourself 
very, very positive throughout the whole lockdown. But has there been like any challenges for you yourself as an individual or as a team? How, how have you grown through lockdown? Lockdown, I remember like the, the day that we were told that we'd be shut down um, as every gym, obviously, every like, business in, in, in Scotland. Um, and it was it was horrifying to know that you had put years, literally years of blood, sweat and tears, literally into a project that you were so intensely passionate about for it all to come crashing down. And it's we're in this position where like, we cannot control what happens, but we can control our actions um, against what happens. Um, and that was just another situation for me. And you know what? I sat and like, I'm, I'm quite open. I'm, I'm very transparent. But like, I sat here like like crying like in the gym when everyone had left because like just so much energy had went into making it a success. And like when you have an obstacle put in front of you. I wasn't crying because I knew that something was was going to fail. I, I was crying because I actually stopped for a minute. Like I actually stopped and, and considered how much effort and energy had been put into that. Like how many like all nighters had been pulled and like how many times I'd like hurt myself trying to move like all the equipment and stuff like on my own sometimes. Like there was just so much that went into it. Like when that coronavirus hit, like it hit me personally like a train. Like because not just not just for the business perspective, but like ever since the age of maybe sixteen or so, like I have never stopped. And like after that time that I sat and, and thought about it, like I still never stopped. Um, it's caused me massive like issues like in my personal life where I've just never like never stopped, but like continued like pursuing this like ambition. And we're in a position where obviously coronavirus brought that all to a halt, but. I'll be honest with you, it's as a business owner, like at least eleven thousand square feet. So it's it's obviously a huge facility and like you guys have obviously seen it. Um and it's it's one of these things where it's like we were told that it was going to be like a two to three week lockdown and then the government massively hoodwinked us and um they told us it was going to be two weeks, but it ended up being nearly six months. And to be fair, like I thought about it, got my shit together, um, gave myself a kick up the arse, and then I put my plan into action again. Um, and it was simply a case of understanding that it was not within my control, the gym being closed, but I knew that when this gym opened again, I was going to make sure that it was much better when it, before it closed. Mm-hmm. So I went to work um, on making it the best version of Elysium that it could be. Um, and obviously we went through a, like a, a financial struggle, as everybody did personally and uh, business-wise. Um, but I fought tooth and nail. Um, I was originally told that Elysium was too big to get the grant. Um, and uh, that was like a massive like blow because obviously businesses were getting grants for premises that were like an absolute shed, do you know what I mean? And they never had any interest in making it a success long term. And here's me with like an 11,000 square feet facility, no rent on, um, no break on rent or anything like that. And I was thinking, oh wow, like what's hard to make it a success, but never need to drag it potentially like three weeks, six months now um, of difficult times. So, yeah, I, I, listen, I put a plan together um, and I think that that's probably the, the most important thing to say about how we managed to get through it was that I just planned it out. And I always have this statement where it's like, plan for the best, prepare for the worst. Um, and what I mean by that is that you can plan for the best case scenario, 
but it's rarely ever going to go like that. But you better be prepared to to adapt when it does when it does go wrong. Um, Mike Tyson says one time, uh, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and it's so important because yeah, like a boxer can come in against Mike Tyson and say, oh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to play a strategic game, and then Mike Tyson hits him with a right hook, and it's it's lights out. And that's about what life is. Is can you you can have everything set out to the absolute uh, minutia, but at the end of the day, if you wake up one day and you get told that you need to shut your business for six months, then like you have to have a plan to to get out of that. So yeah, the gym was closed, but we transferred all of our um, members who were able to maintain their membership. We obviously gave everyone the, the, the ability and freedom to, to freeze their membership for as long as they needed to. Um, we offered everybody the option to, to cancel the membership if they needed to. Um, but we have a, a loyal client base and um, a number of the, the clients that we have at the gym maintained their membership and then obviously over time over that six months you're going to see a decline because people obviously need the, the financial income themselves so i'm extremely grateful for any members that managed to maintain their membership and i believe that to this day that they are the reason that this this business stands and um, so yeah massive shout out to all the members at the, at the gym um the team were obviously fantastic in the way that they approached the, the facility being like kind of pivoted online. So we've done a lot of Zoom classes. We uh, had online programming that was sent out to all the members for uh, no gym equipment and limited uh, gym equipment if they had like a, a kettlebell or a dumbbell. Um, and then it got to the point where we were able to do um, outdoor classes and stuff as well. So I, actually, I just made a, a mobile training unit. So I had like an epiphany uh, one day sitting under um, a squat rack, sitting uh, training, um, and I thought to myself, if I can take this outside, then surely I get the jump on people that can't train outside. So I literally uh, went and bought a van and uh, kitted it out inside with uh, timber and rubber um, and got it all set up so that I could put um, 10, uh, like 12 barbells and stacked it up with weight plates, uh, got all my dumbbells in. Like, it honestly, it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I go so passionate about doing it. You know, I was, I wasn't, if I wasn't building a gym, I was building a gym in a van. And then I was like, able to take that outside and deliver really high quality training to people outdoors. Um, and it was a it was a huge success because um, we in Leith we have Leith Links which is like a massive park um, and we just uh, used that as one of the locations. But then uh, I done it as like a mobile facility, so we went down to like Portobello and then up to Brunchfield just because we were just spreading the word. And um, yeah, that's to be fair, that's probably an example how adaptable like I am as an individual is that there is no such thing as a, a like a barrier. It's simply it's not if it's how you work around things. Um, and that, that's like how I am with my training as well, which we'll probably get on, is that like no matter what like hits me, I will always bounce back harder. Um, so yeah, coronavirus was a massive pain in the arse, and it still is for the whole world. But let's be honest, like there are things that we can do in order to improve our situation. And I'm certainly not going to be one of the ones that's sitting bitching about what I cannot do versus sitting actually working positively on the things that I can do. And I think, I would like to think that that has a transfer over to all the coaches that have a, an interaction with this business because I am very confident in saying that every single one of my team members have got the exact same attitude. And if they've, if ever they have a wobble, all they need to do is come into a facility like this where they're surrounded by positive energy and they cannot maintain that negative energy for long because they're overwhelmed by the amount of positive energy in here. So, yeah, it's a very positive environment. And, like, just to, to kind of reaffirm, like, 
the the team and how positive they are. Like the, the business has never been in a better position in terms of like you know we're at max members um, that the most members that we've ever had. Um, we've we've pivoted uh, the business slightly, so I actually made the decision to get rid of Edox CrossFit. Um, as a brand, um, and I just basically merged the two concepts and made them like under one one banner, um, and the rationale for that was that like Greg Glassman, the guy that owned CrossFit, um, yeah. massively screwed up CrossFit um, overnight with his uh, racial mm-hmm. tweets, um, so yeah, I, I made the decision to break away from CrossFit because my morals are far too strong to be in line with a, a company that that condoned that. To be honest, because he was still CEO. And, and then even when he transferred the company um, to the new, the new owner, Eric Rosa, um, who is a fantastic guy for all intents and purposes. I'm sure he's an absolute gentleman, but um, that, that culture, that, that's ingrained in that company. And I believe that CrossFit have got a bit of a fight to, to regain their, their confidence from their boxes. And I'm not willing to be a guinea pig. Um, so yeah, I lost members uh, because we got rid of Edox CrossFit, and that kind of like community that CrossFit build, like it's a strong community, but it's like it's not what we do. Do you know what I mean? We improve people's fitness, health, and performance. Like CrossFit is just a simple arm or leg of that like brand. So yeah, I, I made the decision to walk away from CrossFit, and it was received by a wee bit hostility for people that love the CrossFit brand. But I knew in here that it was the right thing to do. And I've bounced forward and, and like basically like missiled the business forward over the past like three or four months. And I couldn't be more happy about the decision. Um, and most of the members that, like the CrossFit members that stayed here are now receiving a much higher standard of programming um, a much better facility because I put the work in over lockdown to make this much, much better. So it looks like shit hot. I know that I'm super biased about Alicia, but it's much better than it was as well. Um, so yeah, like coronavirus was terrible. And listen, I, my heart goes with the people that have been affected by it. But I think we're in a position where we need to look at the look at what we can control and start moving forward as a, as a society again. No, I mean, I think there's a lot, sir. Lots of little caveats in there for people that are listening, you know, in terms of not just whatever whatever industry or whatever aspect of their life they're focusing on, you know, um, much, it's not the same level, obviously, in terms of size, but much like the Barbell Club, you know, we, we, we're we a powerlifting club that, that needs competitions for people to compete in in order to exist, um, and there's been no competitions since, I think, even the 1st of March, was that the bench, Scottish bench? Uh, yeah, 1st of March, uh, something like that. So, you know, right before lockdown, um, but we've not only managed to retain most of our members, we've gained members. Um, and what, it, like you just said, Dean, what it's given me and, and the guys that kind of support me from, a, from an organisational and planning point of view is just time, which, you know, since we started in 2018, it's just been one thing after another in terms of events or um, and generating that momentum that you, you spoke about as well. But what we've been able to do is really step back and go, right, you know, we set a five-year plan when we started this club. We're in year three now. You know, and I'm, I'm like you, I can't wait for 2021 to just pull the trigger and quite a lot of the things that, you know, we've got planning in the background. We just need, as you say, Corona to maybe go away a wee bit and it will let us get, let us get cracking. Um, yeah. yeah, so moving on, to, and I know we've talked a bit about you here, but, you know, and I mentioned quite a lot of your accolades, um, and most of that's been in the time that I've known you, but also in that time frame, there's been quite a number of, um, from injuries for yourself, and not just, you know, not talking about little uh, strains or, or, um, you know, niggly injuries here. You've had quite a few major, I would say, uh, injuries over that time frame. But even people that are listening to you just now, I, I'm probably pre-facing how you're going to 
how you're going to tackle the next bit. But um, how did you how did you first of all um, feel at the time of those injuries? Um, and you know what what sort of things again did you put in place to to help you move forward from those those setbacks? My my training is very much like my life. So. Um, not that like it is my life and I love training, but like training is part of my life. And like, I think there's there's people that are in like usually on kind of each end of the continuum where they they just don't appreciate what training is, and then they take training so seriously that it's all they ever do, and they they have very little time or or energy to put into other projects. And I'm quite happy saying that like my training physically is is not my life. Do you know what I mean? Like I own a gym and like my, my whole life has evolved around like fitness, but my training is, is a hobby. And I think people, they need to start realising that it's something if they're going to do it for the rest of their life, they need to have that passion for it. But they can't just deter every other element of their life in order to succeed when it comes to their physical like, um, like performance, for example. If you want to achieve a, a massive level of success when it comes to your physical performance, you have to put the time in. You have to put those sacrifices in. And I think that like, it's a massive point to touch on is that like, massive level of success requires sacrifice. But if you look at, like, for example, for me, my business is far superior when it comes to my interest and passion than my performance. So I'm quite confident in saying that my performance and what I've achieved in the past has probably been at about 60-70% of what I am truly capable of. And people might say to me, like, oh, well, surely you want to just train harder, surely. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know. Like, because in 10 years' time, I can look back and say, well, okay, I built a business that gave me the life that I wanted to live. And that's always been my ambition. Like, the, the, the reason that, I, that I'd actually done Elysium in the first place was to have a wider, like, um, ripple effect within the universe of, like, actually improving people's fitness, health, and performance whether that be physical or mental. And as an individual PT, that I could only do that so much. So I decided to open a facility that I could impact thousands of people and then replicate that so I could improve hundreds of thousands of people's fitness, health and performance. So my business has taken much more of an effort than my training, but I'm now in a position where I am starting to go back into performing better so my focus on training has actually started to increase a bit but like life's a bit like waves do you know what I mean like you'll get a, a period of time where you focus on your training and you really push it up because you've maybe got a competition coming but then there's going to be times where you're training like you just don't really care about it very much and you just do the absolute nuts and bolts of it but that's an important point there is that it's much easier to retain your fitness than it is to gain fitness so if you have a time where you're just kind of going through the motions, but you're making sure that you stimulate like the musculature and your central nervous system to the right level, you will very like it's very unlikely that you will like lose your fitness. Yeah, whatever that fitness may be. Like if somebody like if a powerlifter was able to achieve maybe like a 600 kilo total, and they like just consistently hit maybe 80 percent or so on a regular basis, it's very unlikely that they're going to drop their performance by much. And it's something that they could easily make up in a very short period of time. So I have the realization that whatever happens to my performance, as long as I do the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, I will not move backwards. And that's a bit like life, is that as long as you keep moving forwards, you're never moving backwards. But if you stall and stagnate, even when you're training, you will move backwards. So that's kind of how I've approached my training when it comes to powerlifting, because like, 
the reason I got into powerlifting because like I'm an egotistical bastard sometimes and I hate being like beaten on anything. All right. And like I'm happy to admit that. But ego drives your training sometimes, yeah? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the strongest person in the gym. And if you're not the strongest person in the gym, you should be training to be the strongest person in the gym. Because, again, it's a bit like life. Like, if you want better, you're always pushing for more. Training's exactly like that. Like, why would you be happy being strong enough? Because what, what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, you always want to just achieve that next level of success. So... When it comes to training, like, yeah, I've, I've been training for a long time because like, I'm 30 years old now and that's, it's not old at all. But realistically, when you look at how like, I've trained ever since the age of about maybe like 16 or so, even when I was much younger, I feel like the age of like maybe like kind of four or five playing football all the way to 16, quite a, a high level of like, performance when it comes to football. I got into weight training and then I'd done everything wrong. And then like I started kind of like seriously weight training when I got like exposed in a gym that wasn't a, like a gym it was like a proper training facility and um, it was a wee dungeon called Meadowbank Free Weights Room <laughs> and then I remember turning up one day and I was just like the, the just the noob in the gym I was like super weak and I was sitting trying to do like the most basic stuff and I just seen these guys squatting and I was like I'm in the wrong place <laughs> but then I started to listen and learn and then I was like it was here you and then it was here, we man, and then it was we Dino, then it was Dino, then it was all right, Dino, like, and then it was part of the club when you start pushing forward uh, because I was always committed. So my training has been a bit like kind of all over the place with my business, but I've always had this passion in being strong, and it's it's been obviously a fantastic journey, but it's also been difficult because again because I've got quite a small amount of time, I always kind of jump into my training and just go nuts. So it's like all or nothing. Um, and then I just push myself really hard. And then sometimes I've kind of been, I've had certain setbacks where I've, I've tore my quads uh, twice. Um, and to be fair, I've always been quite strong for my body weight. Yeah. And that's probably without, without like trying very much. I think it's pure stubbornness more than anything. I, I didn't really read that in any books, but I'm sure like sheer willpower and stubbornness like enters into your physiological ability at some point. Um, so the the latest um, injury that pushed me back was I was two weeks away for the World Championships in Dubai um, with the IPF for uh, the equipped uh, powerlifting championships and it was my like long-term training goal was to to get to the Worlds because um, just to even go and experience that is amazing seeing these lifters that are actually really good not just like turn up to the gym and, and do what they want to do they've had a high level of sacrifice and they've achieved such a high level of performance that was like the goal for me so everyone was bought and paid for i was like away to dubai like my flights were ready to go and then two weeks out i was just prepping with a, a slingshot i wasn't even doing like anything like dramatic um, and i came down uh, and I, as i pressed back up the you get go to my sticking point which would normally just stick and then press and as soon as I hit my sticking point, my pec, like uh, major, snapped right off. I never, I never really went through a fight. Like I, I didn't like push really, really hard or anything. It literally just was ready to go. And um, and for the, the two weeks prior, I kind of felt a bit of a niggle in my pec, but just tight more than anything. Didn't think anything of it. And I'm always the guy that's like, if in doubt, push harder. When there's no doubt, back off. But, but there was doubt, so I was like, I'm going to push harder. <laughs> and then. 
bang, it snapped. So there's a there's a great video on my Instagram if anybody wants to watch it back um, about a year ago now. Um, so yeah, I went through that process of getting it repaired because it was a full pec major rupture. Um, and I was so happy about that, to be honest, because um, people are like, what do you mean? Like, you tore your pec off. And I'm like, yeah, but I tore it off. Because if you tear it, yeah. if you actually tear the muscle belly, it significantly impacts your performance moving forward because like, they cannot stitch muscle to muscle. So they repaired the, the pec major tendon um, and they screwed it into the humerus with um, carbon fibre uh, tape and pins, um, which is odd. And I made the horrible decision to watch a pec major repair the day before my pec major operation. And it horrified me, but it was, uh, it was worth it. And then... Um, yeah, after that, I was told, oh, you'll never be able to like bench press what you bench pressed before, and like the whole kind of like surgical procedure of just take it easy, etc. And it just kind of like went over my head. So um, I got back into training, um, and then I think maybe it was about four weeks after, um, I was back deadlifting like pretty heavy, but I was using a toe rope because it was the only way that I could attach myself to the bar without using my arms. So I uh, like my sling on uh, using a, a tow rope to like pull the bar off the floor. So I never lost my deadlift strength. Um, and that was, again, it's just a, a simple example of versatility is it always adapting to your current circumstance. Um, and people were always saying to me, oh, Dean, don't do this and don't do that. But like six months after the operation, I decided to compete again. Um, and to be honest with you, I'd, I'd just done it purely to, to prove to myself that I could. Um, and I, I, Surprise! Well, very frustratingly, came second in the competition. Um, I think coming second's worse than coming like dead last because you know that you were nearly there. Can we get to tell people who beat you? No, we're allowed to do that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, he'll enjoy that. He'll enjoy that. Uh, he'll take that. <laughs> but uh, like Dean, listen, Dean McVie is a great lad. Like we we grew up like uh, beside each other. We both grew up in the same area. Um, very very similar um, mindsets and stuff. He's a uh, the hard-working guy is a really hard-working guy. And then we had a few competitions before where I had beaten him. Um, and uh, he obviously didn't like that. Um, so <laughs> I told him uh, that I was coming back to compete. And then he, was on the last deadlift of the competition, um, I just put 272 kilos in the bar just to fuck with him. Because <laughs> um, I said, if I pulled that, then I would have won. Um, I knew I wasn't going to pull it, but I just done it to mess with him. Um, and he was kind of like standing watching, like wondering if I was going to get it. I knew in my head I wasn't going to get it because I was like, my performance was much, much lower um, after the injury. But uh, yeah, it, I'll give him that one. Um, so yeah, I got second. And it, it just gave me a buzz like to get back on the platform and, and start moving again. And listen, I've never done it to to, to win like in, uh, individually. Like I've done it because I won against myself. Because competing six months after like having a pick like, put back on is... It's actually quite like remarkable in terms of the time, the time frame, and even the surgeon said that. Um, but yeah, it's probably just a, a reflection of the, the type of person I am. Is that like, I'll never accept, like um, I don't know, I've never set anything less than what I can really achieve. So since then, my performance has jumped up a little bit, and that's all in the face of uh, lockdown and um, obviously like pushing the business back up as well. So I'd probably say that my my focus on training is probably about maybe like 70-80%. Like, um, I could be much better, but like my business is my, my main priority and my business is my life. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with that, to be honest. How, how, do you, how much do you think your metabolic conditioning work is like contributing towards your strength? Um, well, to be honest, like the, the whole kind of like fitness-based approach is that 
I just I just don't like not being the best at something. So like this facility is a, a place where you cannot hide your weaknesses. So if you are strong, that's all fair and well. But like when we jump in like some of the group sessions and um, like my strength can coast me through most stuff. But when you sit your ass on an assault bike and go all out, like you will get old and it's it's a horrible feeling. Oh, yes, yeah, bloody <laughs> horrible. So I decided and committed myself to becoming the fittest version of myself um, because people didn't really appreciate what true fitness is. Fitness isn't being strong. Fitness isn't being big. Fitness isn't being like able to run like as far as you can. It's like an accumulation of all of those, in my opinion. Um, and that's why... That's why my focus has, has changed a bit on training. And I made a commitment to myself that uh, even though I started improving my, my, my aerobic conditioning, um, which has been a, a lot, lot better actually, um, I've got leaner as a result of that. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, my nutrition's no like, fantastic. I kind of eat when I can. And I know that sounds a bit of a cop-out, but um, spend 24 hours in my shoes and you'll probably realise that, like, oh, well, Kenny's eating like, not too bad. But, but that's one of my ambitions for the new year is to really improve my, my nutrition. And when I say my nutrition's no great, it, mean, it doesn't mean that I'm eating crap. It, it just means that I'm not eating enough. Um, and I'll probably, liquid nutrition's probably 50, 60% of what I'm taking in, to be honest. Um, just because I'm go, go, go. Um, but the aerobic condition has actually improved my ability as a, as a powerlifter. Um, I don't know if I can call myself a powerlifter at the moment, but uh, I train like a powerlifter, so <laughs> we'll say that. Um, but usually when you would hit sets, like volume and stuff, with uh, like squats or deadlifts, most powerlifters are like breathing like, like out their ass after <laughs> maybe six reps. Um, six. Six, I see that. Maybe three for you, mate. <laughs> um, but my conditioning has obviously improved, and now like I'm quite comfortable hitting sets of like ten plus on any exercise, and my my aerobic capacity is just so much better, um, and it's improved my ability to push myself harder and harder in sessions. Um, and I personally believe like powerlifters specifically use it as an excuse not to be fitter and not to be healthier, um, and it's a shame honestly because if most people just took care of their body, not only would they take care of their me- their mental health as well. Like physical training, no matter what it is, will obviously improve people's mental well-being. Um, but if you have like a more well-rounded approach um, and do the things that you don't like to do, then I believe it makes you a better person. So I, I've got uh, one of the coaches at the gym, uh, Josh, as uh, he's he's a big crossfitter. But I say crossfitter because he's competed in crossfit. But he's just a fit guy. Like he, he loves his training. Like he's he's very focused on that. Um, and I I got him to do my programming and. When I got him to do my program, and I knew that he was going to be like a horrible bastard and give me like horrible things, um, and I never knew that he was going to give me forty-five minutes on an assault bike. So he's done that on the regular, like every week, and like just intervals and like um, like aerobic outputs, like sessions and, and lactic interval sessions. And I'm not being funny, but it's horrible. Like the, the the pain that you go through when you do that, it makes lifting heavy weights actually feel like a luxury. See what people moan about hitting some heavy weights. Oh, I've got heavy triples today. I will swap them any day of the week versus sitting 30 minutes for max yeah. calories on an assault bike. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely made me a better uh, athlete all round. Um, even though my weight's probably dropped quite a bit, I just it's because I'm not eating enough. But I know that when I start to increase my weight and go through like a proper hypertrophy and strength block, it will make me a better powerlifter. So my numbers at the moment are quite 
like they're quite stable. So I believe that as I start pushing my strength and, and hypertrophy back up, they will start to climb, which is which will be quite exciting. Yeah, sounds good. Mark, you're going to be doing some uh, assault bike work now. Remember, I'm a master's lifter. I'm a master's lifter now. I've got a, I've got a different, I've got a different training approach. You know, so recovery. It's all about recovery. Um, I mean, yeah, lots, lots of stuff there, Dean. You know, I, as I said after the last little segment, you know, there's so many little tips and, and hints that people can take um, from this podcast. I'd like to think. Um, but could you maybe just, is it, could you narrow it down to three? You know, if you were to, if you were to give anybody that's listening, whether it's you know a, a kind of newbie starting out or you know somebody even in a business, you know, as a as a maybe three kind of key tips that you would give them to kind of start them off. Yeah. Well, the first one is is always know exactly where you're going. Um, I think that when you break it down and really like there's there's so many people out there that like they think, oh, I want to achieve this or I want to achieve that, but very few people take the time to really dial it in to know exactly where you're going, all right? And some people say to me, like, oh, well, like, can how have you achieved maybe so much in short, such a short space of time? And like, I honestly don't take time to reflect on what I have achieved because I'm too busy focusing on what I want to achieve. So, and that comes from knowing exactly where you want to go. And it doesn't matter whether it's business or whether it's your training, you need to have a goal. Right? And that visualization on that goal will make sure that every single thing that you do matters. Yeah. So every day that you get up is focused on achieving that goal, whether that is a physical like a performance like a variable such as like a bigger squat or a bigger deadlift, or whether that is building like a business that can take care of you and your family for the rest of your life. Like that, it should be your number one focus. And so yeah, like have a have a plan know exactly where you're going is number one and um, and then like for me there, there's just so many takeaway points and trying to narrow it down to three is really it's really quite difficult um however it's it's definitely uh, comes into my mind when it's like surround yourself by the right people because sometimes i feel like i'm a bit of a lone ranger and i feel like whatever's going on in my head is, is just a bit like crazy and some people must think i'm nuts but the, the, the important thing is that the people that are around me now and the team that I've kind of built, like they get it, they, they just get it. Yeah, they, they don't think I'm nuts, I think, but what they do is they appreciate that that's just who Dean is and that's just what he wants to do. Um, so yeah, surround yourself by the right people. And if you are if you are surrounded by toxic people, whether they be your friends, um, whether they be your family, like please believe me, like there's there's people out there that have got toxic family members that are deterring them for the, achieving their dreams. Um, I was. It's usually just to like get the get the right people on the bus and get the wrong people off the bus, because it's if you've got the right people in um, like your your circle, you will drive forward and achieve your success to a much higher standard. Um, and then uh, number three is is just keep going. As like there's there's just so much shit that happens in people's lives is that they think that when one small thing goes wrong, that it's the end of the line. But if there's one thing I've learned personally is that no matter what, as long as you get up and remember why you're doing what you're doing and surrounding yourself with the right people and just keep going, you will always achieve what you want to achieve. Because the irony is if something goes wrong and like something that you were tr you're planning does not come to fruition, it doesn't mean to say that it's the end. It just means to say that you need to figure out another way. Yeah, there's some like fantastic stories about there, out there about people like achieving some amazing things. 
Um, and we, every single, like, I have got like so many books, like, like literally like packed with books everywhere. That's just like a small selection of them. Um, but all those books, when, when you read about those, these people that have achieved like some amazing things, there was never a point in any of those books or any of those stories where they gave up. And I know that sounds overly simple, but when you simplify that down, it is literally just a case of just keep going. So even if, like, David Goggins, right, he's a, a huge kind of factor um, in, my, in my life because I just look at what he's went through and, like, I resonate with his, his story so much. But if you didn't know who David Goggins is, like, you need to, need to look him up. He's a, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty amazing guy. But this guy ran, like, 100 miles on broken legs. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he got up in the morning and instead of like saying, oh, I've really sore legs, like he was looking for like other ultra endurance marathons because he just has a different way of thinking. So yeah, um, have a plan uh, or know where you're going. Um, get the right people uh, in your circle and then just keep going. So never, never accept anything less than your best. No, there's three, three things there that anyone can, can apply to any. Hmm. situation um, just to finish off Dean um, you know you've given us a real real flavour of, of you yourself your training but you know I know there's much more behind behind the story of, of Dean Robertson and Elysium so if people want to kind of find out a bit more whereabouts could they find you on Instagram or you've got your own podcast haven't you is that right yeah so we do like um, the like the Elysium radio um, we do we do podcasts and again self-admittedly there's more important things for me to do right now than, than the podcast I've been building the business again um, but yeah Elysium radio there's, there's a lot of uh, podcast on that where you can go and listen to a little bit more about Elysium and, and maybe me as an individual. Um, I'm not a huge social guy, like uh, I'm, I'm more focused on the doing rather than the showing. Um, obviously Instagram's a bit of a highlight reel but like I'll be honest with you, like, I, I didn't really care what people think about me, like I just do exactly what I want to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the, the odd picture up of like a, a motorbike or a motorbike crash or whatever um, but at the end of the day I'm so focused on doing that I didn't really care about showing people what I'm, what I'm doing. I just kind of do it. Um, but if anybody wants to get in contact with me and ask me any questions, and it happens quite regularly, like new coaches coming into the business, uh, uh, the fitness business, but other people that maybe want to know a wee bit more about like kind of facilities and stuff, like I'm always really helpful. Do you know what I mean? My door's always open and I always accommodate people. So just drop me a message um, at info at elysium-edinburgh.com. Um, or go through the website, so www.elysium-edinburgh.com um, or you can get in touch with me through Instagram, um, I, so at I am Elysium. Um, so yeah, I'm always happy to help anybody wherever I can. And I would like to believe that that's just another way of improving Elysium's uh, scope of influence. No, no, thank you very much, Dean, and thanks for, uh, you know, you've said you're a, you're a busy man working 24-7. I know <laughs> when I said I was doing this podcast for you, I got a comment that you're going to record it at 20 past five in the morning. So <laughs> uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate your time. Right.